And we are live with our 99th episode of Absolute AppSec. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter, joined by my co-host Seth Law at Seth Law on Twitter. Seth, say hi. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Uh, this week, uh, it's just going to be Ken and I once again. Uh, we've been slacking on guests because of Corona and life and everything else. But uh, we, we do have a few topics to run through today. Um, as far as reminders go and announcements, uh, Midsummer Night's Con is coming. It's going to be June 24th. And everyone is welcome. We'll have a registration page up pretty quick. We've confirmed a number of the different speakers that'll be there on top of me and Ken and Stefan and Logical. Uh, it's going to be an interesting time. Uh, we're not expecting a you know three day event. It's going to be just midsummer night, and we'll we'll run with it. Right? Should be fun. Um, on top of that, uh, Ken and I are still doing our um, next level. Uh, what did I call it, Ken? <laughs> For Black Hat, next level thready make threat 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 stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it was like it was the. Uh, it's next level bug hunting, right? I think it's what it's called, right? Yeah. So finding source. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Next level bug hunting. Uh, so finding bugs in code from an offensive perspective at Black Hat. Uh, so that'll be in a few weeks. Um, that's well, actually, that's the end of July, beginning of August. Um, I think we're only going to run one session there. Initially, it was supposed to be two, uh, but there, uh, you know. We'll probably cut it back to one just so we have everybody in the same, especially where it's virtual. Uh, so we'll have everybody in the same course rather than doing it, you know, over four days. We'll just do it over two. Um, and yeah, I don't think we have anything else coming up right now. Uh, I I mean, our course did get picked up for OWASP or AppSec, uh, whatever, Global AppSec San Francisco, right? Um but whether or not that actually happens is going to be another question. That'll be in October. and But I think that's about it. Ken, is there anything else on the top of your head right now? From a No, no, I'm just excited about Midsummer's Night uh, Con. That's going to be fun because, uh, yeah. yeah, it's 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 hand-picked people who are talking about things that are useful and practical, and it should be really good. I'm very excited yeah. about it. Um, big shout out, I think, to... I think that we should mention that Heather and Stefan have really been the ones driving most of the effort on it. You know, I, I think it's fair to give them most of the credit. We, we, they're doing it under absolute AppSec, but Seth and I are kind of, uh, we're assisting, but um, it, it's really, it's really those two that are sort of driving it and uh, both have been on the podcast before. So um, actually yeah. when, when um, Heather and Stefan were uh, along with Bobby, Bobby tables, is that called? no, uh, Bobby, um, during uh, last year's De uh, DEFCON Black Hat. He yeah, that's right. had them go over the Kubernetes report. Kubernetes, yep. Yeah. So their, their Trail of Bits is doing probably some of the most exciting public-facing uh, Kubernetes research. So um, it's really nice to have them uh, share those types of things and also like, you know, put to help put together this con. So yeah, awesome. Good stuff. We do have a lot it's, to talk about today, so that'll be fun. Yeah, exactly. Um, we won't talk about any of the topics from Midsummer Night's Con until after the con, right? So we'll stick to a little bit more of the the regular uh, news of the day, right? And I know, Ken, you had a couple of topics that you wanted to talk about, right? Um, so let's, let's just dive straight into those. Yes, after my venting on last week's episode, going a little stir crazy, we figured we'd bring it back to uh, to security, <laughs> to security in the technical domain. Man, I was hurting last week, dude. I was just like, it's just like everything was just everything is nuts. But for whatever reason, last week was just just for me. It just like all bubbled up and culminated. And anyways, um, on to bigger and more interesting, fun things. Um, yeah, so. We can start with a few things. I don't know. Should we go through the CV first? We should go, or should we go through uh, Honda's cyber attack discussion? Or we could talk about uh, there was uh, another thing that we were going to talk about. Let me bring it up. Uh, there was also 
safety over freedom, that conversation for contact tracing, which you and I were just kind of talking about yesterday, just kind of like, yeah, maybe let's, let's roll with that first. Uh, the contact tracing stuff, um, safety over freedom. Cause that's a, I mean, I feel like that's a very relevant topic right now. So you want to post Definitely. that link and we'll jump into it and then we can get into some of the more technical, you know, uh, security patches and CDs and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I posted the link and, and just to give a sort of a overview, I guess, um, the article, yeah, the, the title safety over freedom, how governments introduced surveillance under the veil of coronavirus control. Uh, I think like you could probably just first thoughts, by the way, is you could probably replace coronavirus with like any number of things that go on, you know, like people get scared and, um, rightfully so at times. And, um, yeah. So, uh, anyways, this article kind of, um, mentions that China was sort of the role model as it comes to surveillance, but obviously when we say role model for surveillance, we mean a complete lack of privacy for all citizens is what we really mean when we say a role model. So it's not like a completely positive thing. I think we probably to, to, to mention, um, this, this, this article goes into sort of both, but yeah, it talks about sort of like how the Alipay health code app was first launched. Um, you know, how that was used to perform essentially, uh, contact tracing. Um, <clears throat> and you and I were talking about contact tracing and we were like, man, it's so, it's so rife for abuse. Um, Let's see, I have a couple things I wanted to point out. Just the New York Times uh, analyzed the code of the app and found out that the system doesn't just decide if a user poses infection risk. It also sends personal data to the Chinese, to the Chinese police, which I don't know how the article, right? Or maybe it is linked in here, but there's actually also like this, um, speaking of that, there's, there's going to be a, a rating of your health um, for people in China as well. So supposedly that they're, you know, if you're a smoker, how you eat, all of that, that's going to, that's going to become a way to classify you as a number. Obviously there's so many ramifications with that from, you know, if you were to do that in America, for instance, it, it could be abused for like who gets healthcare and who doesn't, you know, like who gets a job and who doesn't like all these things. It could just be used for so many negative things. Um, but yeah, I think that's sort of the, um, the, the, the gist is between, CCTV between um, contact tracing apps uh, and just like a total complete transparency in who you are and where you go and what you do um, obviously helps them decide how this apparently this thing spreads. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, like we see governments do this all the time, right? Like you use a, a, what's the old adage? Don't let, let a good crisis go to waste. Right. Even in business, you know, like, I mean, honestly, Ken, right? Like we talk about this all the time with you and GitHub. The fact that the AppSec team exists is because of a good crisis, right? The only right. reason I was hired as a, like, as, like I moved to kind of the security team and the security team got budgeted iOmega all the all those years ago was because of a, a crisis. Like they got hacked, somebody got into their network through SQL injection and they're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't just have all these systems on the internet, right? Um, so that kind of stuff happens all the time and businesses take advantage of that. I mean, part of that is just a, a, a you know, a thing in the organization, right? Like, oh, we have, we have risks that we didn't know about. All right, let's take care of them. Um, but the, this balance between safety and security and freedom um, is, it's just a fine line to walk, right? And depending where you're at in the political spectrum, right? One person's freedom is another person's, you know, assurance that, you know, they, they can sleep at night, right? And so I, I don't feel like there's a, there's a good solution here outside of, Hey, there's certain rights and there's certain privileges that we have. There's a right to privacy that exists um, and is understood in, I mean, our basic like constitution and kind of like, it's a basic human right to not be monitored at all times. Um, and I know there's this, I don't know, like, I, I just, I feel like it goes to that level as, uh, as um, 
what's actually happening and how those, you know, how privacy gets chipped away at, how, uh, you know, safety becomes the number one thing when we have threats and we have viruses and other things that are out there that can affect you and can affect people that we know. Uh, but it's not always the best thing to turn over that control and not dial it back, like not have an end date that's associated with it. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. They, they, they did link to a, well, let me put this, if we're from within that article, they also showed, uh, they also talked about um, how the uh, government officials across the U.S. are using location data for millions of cell phones in a bid to better understand the movements of America during coronavirus pandemic. That's the first line of this thing. No, and this is this is extremely relevant in Utah, right? So, um, like when coronavirus first started, like in early like mid March, they instituted a technology that anyone driving across the borders from like. Uh, Nevada or Colorado into Utah, there would pop, there would be a text message that popped up on their phone and they were supposed to go to a Utah gov website and fill out a form about where they had been, whether or not they had been sick, you know, just crossing the borders from one state to another within the United States. Right. And the whole idea was, Hey, we want to make sure that coronavirus is not coming into the state. And so this seems like an easy solution. We already know that people are crossing in based on their cell phone locations. So why don't we just send them a text and make them fill out a form, right? But it's it's this fine line from, hey, we're just going to ask you this to mandate whether or not it is a, you know, if you're coming into you know, our country or our state in this case, you have to fill out this form or we're going to turn you away at the borders, Right. And that's not necessarily how we're set up, but I like you can see it going there pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. You give somebody the, 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 man, I've had this argument about other things. I won't go into what specific things, but you know, this, this, this um, idea of giving up some of your privacy and freedom for, um, for safety is not a, not a new concept. Obviously we, you and I both have talked about this before, but um it it is a weird it is a weird place because it's like well do you want people to die then give away your your freedom you know and and that's that's sometimes that is like the extremist view that people take is like you know well obviously you want people to die not a very mature argument but you know it's it's one that comes up right so yeah uh, I think that you just the one thing that I like to note whenever this conversation comes up is that if you give something away. It is not easy to get it back. It's not. If you if you pass into a law something that's 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 restrictive, even if it's a temporary, right? Most often, it's hard to get your rights back, and you have to fight for it. And we're seeing that now with many things. And so that's just a consideration to to, to like. I feel like you, people need to make is that it's not. You know, if you're giving if you're giving something up, you're, it's going to take a while to get it back. Just period. It just it always is that way. Um, and yeah, I mean, like with contact tracing apps, um, those are, you know, those are pretty like specific to you as an individual, whereas the U S using advertising data feels, feels better on the surface because it's like large, it's more like tracking herd movements. You know what I mean? It's not like you specifically necessarily, it's just track. So it feels a little more anonymized. I think the important thing to, to just remember though, is that, um, again, that that brings into like this weird brings it into this weird place where you know it can get a little insidious and little things can change and overnight you know next thing you know something that will, I don't have to get too tinfoil but it's just reality like if if you, you say that's okay and maybe somebody has another idea they're like oh that would be really useful that would really keep us safe and then next thing you know you give up another freedom and another piece of privacy so it's chipped away at slowly it doesn't happen overnight so anyways um yeah i guess those are my expanded thoughts on the whole thing it's just like and yeah. also like we have to look at the pandemic's danger now right because i think in the the beginning and even now we like this is oh this is definitely more my personal opinion for sure um but in the beginning i think we did absolutely the right thing i think that nobody knew what covid was nobody understood 
Um, we're still finding out new information, so it's still good to like tread somewhat cautiously. Though I do think now we've got all this new data that points to like, hey, you know, it turns out it's not as bad as we thought in terms of uh, who, in terms of in, uh, how it's passed, in terms of mortality rates, um, the demographic for who it affects, um, even in that per, even in that category, the mortality rate is lower than we thought. Um, these are all positive things, but not things we knew at first. So I think like we definitely needed a lockdown. So then now it says it's like, okay, so now we're introducing more privacy, more things like butting it into your privacy over something that the data doesn't seem to suggest is, is as bad as we initially thought, which feels weird, right? Is it that that's where I think you see these people who get caught up in the, like the conspiracy theory thing or like are called out as conspiracy theories because it just feels weird. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So at least for some of us and some people are still deathly afraid and that's totally under, you know, if you're, especially if you're at risk, like I totally get it. But yeah, I think like new data presents new ways of looking at this and yeah, I wouldn't want my, all my privacy invaded for that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I would well, not just sound callous or not. Yeah. I, so I, I go back and forth because I, I feel like we have this interesting almost, um, I, I mean, in the tech industry, security industry at large, we're very, you know, tinfoil hat because we know what can happen and how easy it is to slip down that road. Um, I yeah. think the general population, though, uh, doesn't necessarily realize how much they already are giving away right you look at social media yeah. applications you look at facebook and the stuff that people post and i just like you know i have a tendency to shake my head right and just like face palm because it's just you know they're posting images with you know with tracking data that are already in them and they're you know they trust business more than they trust government and I'm like, yeah, on the one hand, you're absolutely right. Um, but guess what? You're, you're complaining that, okay, the whole like 5G coronavirus conspiracy that Bill Gates, you know, invented coronavirus to track everyone. So you're worried about, you know, you're going off about Bill Gates and how he's tracking you, but you're doing it on Facebook where Zuckerberg is definitely tracking you, right? Like, I'm like, do you not understand what, you know, the difference here is? Or even just like YouTube, right? Like you're posting stuff on YouTube. Guess what? That's another big corporation that's owned by a bunch of billionaires. Uh, you're already giving this information away. And so, yeah, it feels very like, oh, I, I, this look, this feels nefarious to me. So it's, you know, I'm, I'm going to call this out. But at the same time on the back, you know, the back door, I'm giving out all the inf information as it is. Um yeah. And you yeah. know, like, cause they, they, again, going back to that article they're like, oh yeah, you know, advertisement dollars are being used to, or sorry, advertising dollars, advertisement statistics, which is basically advertisement dollars. But anyways, they're, they're, they're like using that. It's the government and these, what you just said, this tech companies coming together, right? That's not new. This is happening already. This is like, if you don't think that Google and if you don't think I want to like say all the companies, but if you don't think some of these companies are absolutely working with the, the, the not only our government, but other governments, man, think again, think yeah. again, I'm sure of it. <laughs> so yeah, uh, you just can't like trust. Yeah. You just, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. You're right. It's funny. It's funny to, to like bring up that conspiracy theory on the platforms for which you yeah, know, the tech, they're the tech already industry. yeah they're already giving it up, and so Which is, I have friends that are not in the tech industry, and they actually a lot of them blame the tech industry for interestingly enough for exacerbating a lot of the um, a lot of different things uh, in in terms of uh, COVID specifically, um, and I'm like they're doing that on social media though. So it, it, it's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. I'm not criticizing anyone. I mean, I think that, I think that, you know, right now it's hard to stay sane anyways. So man, I don't, I don't, yeah. It's like, I'm so flexible with everyone's different opinions and like I, outlooks that I just kind of, I don't know about you, but I just kind of listen now. I'm just like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, Who knows? it's, it's just, it's yeah. just interesting. It's interesting to watch. Right. Yeah, and yeah. like, like I get that everyone wants to have a bogeyman. They want someone to blame. Um, 
but but a lot of times, right? Blaming the tech industry, blaming business for providing a service where they can make money, and you you utilize that service. Uh, I, I don't know what you expect them to do, right? Like they're trying to gain more money, and you probably have somewhere you have stock in one of those companies in your four hundred one k, right? So you are, you know, materially actually benefiting from them building better algorithms so that you click more on ads in Facebook, right? Like the, it's this whole kind of like circular environment that we've built up just based on the behaviors that we have as consumers that give tech companies this power. And we've already given away this privacy to them. And so, you know, trying to like back up and say, no, 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 you can't know where I'm at or you can't know who I'm talking to even though we're already telling them who we're talking to via DMs and other things, uh, just just feels very arbitrary uh, mm-hmm. at times. And like, yeah, I, yeah. I think I think with that though, you're talking about opting in versus opting out, right? right. But yeah, I But but let, let let's clarify: how many people are not actually? You know, actually, now that I think about it, I think even even older, the older generation are using technology. I think everyone's using right now technology. So, yes, you could opt out, but then that makes you kind of socially not connected, you know, as much without using social media or using apps to DM people and using your phone to text people or call people, which is around you 24-7. You make a good point. Like, yes, you could technically opt opt out technically, which is the, the that is that is a feeling of freedom there, right? Like, that's the like that's my I I can't obtain freedom that way. But in light, but in reality, how many people actually like go that route? So, yeah, and especially if you work in technology, how the hell are you and I supposed to unplug? We've got a podcast, we've got training courses, we're writing a book, we've got. Twitter, we got to keep up with. I mean, there's how are we supposed to disconnect completely? Yeah. We're on YouTube for Christ's sake. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talking about this. So. Yeah, I, uh, you know, it's. I, I mean, it's definitely a hard line, right? Like, it, and and that's what I was trying to get to. Is I feel like, you know, I've had friends over the years that were very, very tinfoil hat-ish and they were very careful about their online exposure and what they put out there. Um, and especially at the beginning of my career, I like, I, you know, I, I bought into a lot of that, right? Like I was like, man, I'm not going to, I'm not going to use tech. I'm going to, you know, wipe this every time that I use it and make sure that I'm using, you know, things like incognito browsing all the time and Tor and all of that. And at some point, it became so difficult to function in the industry because I had to reintroduce myself every single time, right? And like, it's almost like you're encouraged to put your name out there and you're encouraged to do research and to go meet people. And that's how we make security better in general. And, And so like, I gave up a lot of that, right? I was like, look, for me to function as a security professional, um, yes, I'm careful about that kind of stuff. And I'm careful about, you know, password reuse and all that, all that that goes into that. And I'm trying to teach other people about it as well. But on, on a basic level, uh, you have to use technology. And it's, I, I mean, it's hard, especially when you start having kids and you've got other other factors there. Like, I mean, you know, we've always, you know, made jokes about, ah, you know, mom doesn't understand how to install a printer and it never seems to work or Facebook or whatever else. But guess what? Everyone that you know is using social media is exposing themselves to these same sort of risks. So like you're better off knowing the platforms and being able to educate them at some level on, Hey, this is how you do it securely. Guess what? If you want to talk to someone and you don't want Facebook to know about it. There's these other platforms. These, there's these other technologies that exist that you can use that'll give you at least a modicum of privacy that you don't have in your normal day-to-day operation. And even 
even as simple as telling them, guess what? If you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Um, most people don't get that, right? Like they're like, oh, Facebook. Oh yeah, we know that, you know, there's ads and, but they should do what we want them to do. And I'm like, but Facebook isn't going to do what you want them to do. They're going to do what the advertisers want them to do because the advertisers are the ones that are paying their salary and is paying for that business. Um, so, it, you know, yeah, there's features there, but their whole idea is to keep you on the site and keep you interacting with that social media, um, which is the same thing that all of the political parties are now doing, right? They're taking advantage of the fact that Facebook is out there and we can, we can send messaging, targeted messaging through the platform, just like an advertiser can and get social interaction there. And it looks like it's grassroots when really it's coming from this campaign or that campaign. So anyway, yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah, no, I, th I, I love so, that, I mean, I love so that quote you, you had. I love that yeah. quote. If you're not paying for the product, you are the product. This is something I tried to explain to my son about um, just like how people make stuff up on YouTube and you know, like Ryan's toy channel and that, that nonsense, you know, where it's just like those parents exploiting the hell out of that kid. Um, I tried explaining that that's what it is. You are the product. They're making money off you. They don't act like that in real life. That's just for the, you know, he got it, but um, yeah, I think anyways, but yeah, you make a good point. If you're not paying for it, you are the, you are the product and they will, and that's definitely changed the landscape of uh, news outlets for sure. That's one we've seen a lot of. Um, and it, I don't know if this is true for everybody, but for me, because like last week, like I said, I was just not in a great place just from months of this shit. And like the, uh, the thing that kind of pulled me out of it too was um, disconnecting from social media. I, I got this uh, book that I was kind of picking at um, and, and, you know, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to read this book. I'm just going to do that instead of going on my phone. And that man, just that simple act made me feel a lot better. So maybe it's uh maybe it'll be something that um, this obvious uh, manipulation and this obvious gross stuff to keep you on social media. Maybe that will, um, you know, maybe that'll drive people away and uh, maybe it'll fix itself. Everything bounces out eventually. That's, I believe that. I think everything bounces out. It always swings too far one way, comes back the other. So it's just watching, watching things shift right now and we'll see what happens. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it definitely does. Right. But I, like, if you're in the industry, that that's what I was, like. We, we talk about training specific to application security people, right? Like we're talking about vulnerabilities. We're talking about risk. Um, but at, at some level, like, all of us interact with people that don't have that same level of understanding, right? Even if you're new to the industry and you're coming into it, um, like, you know, I can't, I can't talk SQL injection with my wife, right? She does not give a shit, right? Which, which is, is completely valid. Um, <laughs> but, but she is concerned about privacy and her privacy online um, and like how to expose, you know, how to share pictures with people so that they're not exposed to, you know, the internet at large and like, Hey, what, you know, how much information about our kids is it right to actually post about? And does, you know, Facebook properly protect that if we're, you know, we're talking about names and birth dates and everything else that's associated with that. Um, and so she has like the sufficient fear that's built into her just being married to me over the course of your know, <laughs> year. Um, and, and then, you know, that, that extends a little bit to the kids as well, but on the same, on the, on that same, on the flip side there is it's like, like you were saying, like having that discussion with your son about, Hey, guess what? This is, this is why this is actually happening. And, you know, that, like how to protect them because they don't have that same expectation of privacy, right? Especially my teenagers that are on Instagram and on TikTok and everything else that's out there right now. They just like everyone is putting content out, um, all of their peers, usually without any sort of interaction or any sort of discussion about how to keep themselves protected. Or if they do have a discussion, it's like the you know, it's the guy from the local uh, um, school district who's like, uh, you know, 
their help desk person, right? That's installing wireless access points. That'll come in and talk for 20 minutes about how they shouldn't share their password. That that's basically the level of like kind of privacy uh, interaction that most students get. Um, there, right. no one knows how to protect themselves. And so I like, if you're out there and you have that knowledge, make sure that the people in your immediate circle and maybe even in your extended circle are, are safely practicing safe, you know, social media usage. And I know this wasn't a topic that we were going to talk about today, Ken, but apparently it's on my mind, right? Uh, privacy leads that direction. So. Yeah, no, I, I it's funny. Cause you know, <clears throat> yeah, like it's not just even the apps that we use. It's like, I was thinking about like using, you know, Google home and nest and, you know, ring and, am. uh, uh, echo devices and all that. I mean, it's all, um, did I say echo toy? I don't know, whatever. Anyways, whatever. There's lots of, there's lots of devices and we put them in our homes for convenience. So it's not, not, so not always safety. Sometimes it's honestly just for convenience and you know, that's normalizing it. And we've talked about this before. It's normalizing it for the next generation and the next generation might further normalize it. But, um, man, I have so many thoughts on where things are going and that's, this isn't that episode for it. Um, and who cares what I have to say, but anyways, like I'm willing to share it, <laughs> but it, by the way, going back to it, one thing that made it, that, that kind of reminded me of the olden days, I'll, I'll call it the olden days. Um, realistically this is from like eight years ago was, uh, it was very common for you to go to a conference and I never have seen of the person that you wanted to talk to. And you only know, their blog work in their, well, maybe Twitter handle um, and, or you knew them from a mailing list or something like that um, or an IR, uh, IRC channel or a server channel on a server. Like you, you had these different relationships you formed, but you never really saw the person's face. And now it's like, man, if you connect with, I mean, I've had this happen where people hit me up on Twitter, then on LinkedIn, They've got their profile. I didn't have my profile pick on my, uh, I didn't have my, my actual picture on my profile pick for a long time. It was just like, I don't know. Remember, it was like, I don't remember. It was like symbols or some art or something. It wasn't anything that, you know, and people started saying like, Hey, it's getting confusing. We're going to these conferences. They're getting bigger, these conferences. And we can't like, I don't even know who you like, how to pick you out of the crowd. Anyways, all of that to say that it wasn't until, you know, for me personally, I think probably around, 2013, 2014, where I started like, and I think when I, and I say I, I think a lot of people did around that time started like putting their actual pics on their profile pics. They actually started doing stuff where you could see them and it was on YouTube and, you know, you, you could just get to know them um, and, and actually see them. And uh, it's a little, it's a little weird just how that kind of changed. Um, I don't really have any thoughts on whether it's better or worse, but I've noticed the security community went from being like all you were was some handle and some little image and like your work and that's it which is maybe there's some beauty in that if you think about it it's only yeah. that your work that mattered at the time it wasn't like how you or what gender you were or weren't or however that works you know for you like um you know like me, me sorry meaning like uh whether it's race, gender, you know, whatever it might be, age, whatever it is, all that was irrelevant. All you saw was the work of the person. So maybe there was some beauty in that. Dude, I don't know how, yeah. how like I went off on that, but yeah. <laughs> no, I, of, I mean, you're, you're, you're not long ago. Right. Like, no, it wasn't right. And like, I, I, I think about it, right. Like I think about, you know, cause I, I yeah, up until, I mean, right now I'm at Seth law on Twitter, right? Like that's my name. And I remember going through like nineties and you know, the, the two thousands and it was like, we always use different names. Right. And right. like, and th there's still people that are out there that do it, but just figuring out like, you know, from a DEF CON perspective, <laughs> DEF CON perspective, like who dark tangent is right. Like, you know, his actual name is out there now. Right. right. But for years and years, he was only DT. He was only dark tangent. Um, and we kind of moved away from that and we realized that there was value in actually maintaining those relationships in the real world and meeting people face to face and being more public about it and building each other up, 
in the in uh, in the light of day and not just behind the scenes. And there's still a lot of that that goes on behind the scenes, and it's you know it's fun to have a fan handle or you know whatever else. Um, but I do feel like there's advantages to putting yourself out there and actually being like, hey, guess what? This is who I am. This is the research I'm doing. These are the things that I'm concerned about. And you can take it or leave it, right? Mm -hmm. So, yep. Yeah, it's changed for sure. It's interesting. It is. It is super interesting. So anyway, so safety over freedom. I don't know. Whatever you want, like just, yeah. (laughs) Well, and it was Clint for the record. It was Clint that actually from his TLDR sec newsletter who talked about um the health uh let me pull up the article where you talked about like the there's a point to this why i'm bringing it up again um chinese province wants to label citizens by their so it's not all of china it's a chinese province 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 let me post this one thing this article mentions make sure i'm not mistaken let me actually read it real quick or look for what i'm looking for uh, oh no, that's not the one. Do, do, do. Sorry. You're fine. Uh, there's well, there's an arm. Hmm. Where did I see it? I thought it was in this. Um, introduced uh, reported privacy issues. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh man. Well, one of these articles. I thought it was that article. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh-huh. Hold on, sorry. One more sec. Give me one sec here. I know, I know. Um, yeah, no, no, no. It is actually, sorry, it's in the first one. It's the freedom okay. over. It, yeah, yeah. So it's this one. It's the first article we 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 uh, we had, the safety of freedom. They mentioned, um, God, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I've only, it's actually funny because the book I'm reading right now is his book. He's mentioned in that article. It's, uh, I'm so, I don't want to say the name, but I'm going to say it. And if I'm going to say it wrong, so just please, uh, maybe I'll correct it in the uh, next episode. It's like, I think it's like Yuval Noah Harari, maybe is how you say the full name. He's the one who wrote Sapiens. He wrote um, Homo Deus. And actually, there's another book I hadn't heard of that uh, Tanya Jenka on Twitter had recommended. Um, anyways, it's all very interesting because it talks a lot about like uh, where, well, Sapiens talked about where we've been. Homo Deus is like that where we're going next. And um, I think, and and they reference him in that. They reference him in that article, I think, because he's got a pretty good uh, history uh, handle on history and um, sort of like human behavior and some pretty good predictions. And, you know, he, he said straight up, I think people will most of the time, given an option between safety and freedom, they'll choose uh, safety just based off of like prior you know, history. Uh, historical events. And um, anyways, I just encourage you to like uh, check that out. Um, yeah. Check, check his books out. Cool. Do you want to talk about the, the zero key bit? Yeah. There, the master. Yeah. Key? Yeah. yeah. Let, let, let's do, let's dive into do some technical stuff. GNU TLS. Right. So here's the, the GitLab, the CVs uh, described on GitLab because it's where the project is. A GNU TLS. So um, it says TLS 1.3 session resumption works without master key allowing man in the middle. The basic gist is you, let's say you spin up an SSL cert and you have a valid key and a client connects and now you have a valid like established proper private key to like for the server and, and you know, the, set, the session's verified and everything's like good. We're all good. Like the session's initiated. We're all connected nice and secure. If you, if, if that server were to be killed and restarted with a um, invalid credential, invalid cert, uh, the connection would remain connected with no warning to the client that there was anything awry, uh, which is pretty interesting. And apparently it has to do with when the session resumes, there's just an improper check. And if the, the creds are just garbage, then it's fine. It's totally ignored. Uh, and we can, we're going to go into the code here in a second. We just started looking at the code right before we went live. So we're going to look at it here, uh, together. Any thoughts that you want to add? Well, before we get into that, Matt, uh, I almost called you max <laughs> staff. <laughs> you still there? Did I lose you? 
Yeah, I am now. I, sorry, I was skipping a little bit again. Oh, sorry about that. Can you that. hear me? I can. Yeah, I can hear you. Nope, um, that's probably me. Okay. <laughs> well, we didn't really get to um, take a lot of time to review this code. So I'm going to, um, like, we're going to talk through it. Um, but I figured like it might be fun as people that review code all the time for Seth and I to like maybe cover, you know, just cover the change. So this is a patch file. If you're not familiar with the patch file, it's just like these minuses are like the things that, that were, so like here, for instance, this minus just means this code was removed. And this plus just means that this is the code that's going to be added in place of the, you know, removed code. That's that's just how like a git patch looks, and we can see there's this stack and .c file, and we're this is a diff between the two, right? So in the first one, you see that if the result is equal to the session key totp last result, then um, like we proceed forward. Um, but interestingly, that um, that could be you know. It could be anything. I think what this is this check is trying to do is is make sure that if it's it's not zero, then result. Uh, this is the same code, but except for we do this check here, uh, which which makes sure that this uh, last result here is not zero. Um, so I, I feel like that's a pretty important uh, check, <laughs> since you know, like um, it's what uh, essentially is is determining whether or not this second. This has to this has to basically be um, true in order for for this to continue on. Uh, otherwise, like um, it's just gonna it's gonna fall back, right? So, uh, meaning it's not going to uh, uh, really continue to execute. Um, so, before you go too much further on this, right? Like, um, like the interesting thing, and you know what we see in security vulnerabilities. Um, in code very, very often, even in this case, right, is, okay, here's, this is a devastating vulnerability when it really comes down to it, because it means during reset, that use of the null key is predictable, and somebody could decrypt the, the entire session, right? That, that's obviously a bad thing that happens. But the fix in this case was realistically, what, like seven lines of code, right, or 10 lines of code at most, like we remove some stuff, add a couple of checks and we're off and running and you know the vulnerability doesn't exist anymore. Um, but we see this quite often as these kind of like edge cases where, um, where what Ken was just looking at where, hey, it looks like that last key, if it was null, then it's just a zero key and everybody can move on um, and it'll be used every single time in TLS 1.3. That's uh, like, this would be hard to catch unless you were setting the key to null in some sort of a unit test, right? Which is probably what they needed to do. But realistically, right, we we typically, we generate a key and then we use that key. We're not using something that is a null character. So sorry, Ken, I was just going off on the, the fact that the, the vulnerabilities are usually pretty simple to both code and to fix. Yeah, no, I, I was actually just looking at what the heck unlikely is since I'm not a C++, eh, C++ expert. I was trying to see like what this is. It has to do with the uh, path of execution. Because um, I was like, what is that? Like, I don't see that defined anywhere here, um, this unlikely statement. So that's why I was like trying to, that's why I was quiet. Uh, plus you're okay. talking, so I didn't want to be rude. Um, but apparently it's just some sort of optimization. So not necessarily a, like, oh God, I hope I'm getting this right. But it, from what I'm reading, it seems like more of like an optimization here than any security mechanism. So essentially, like, it's if this is not equal to zero, then um, like, yeah, return an invalid request. Uh, less results, mem copy, uh, copying the initial uh, key data, key size. Um, oh, and this is the other thing that's important, I think, here is, like, was it rotated? Because um, you have to sort of interrogate that to, to you have to interrogate whether or not this is a new, uh, whether the session was, uh, when they say rotated, I'm assuming they mean, like, a new key or a new session started with 
which would require a new entirely, I would imagine a new entire like handshake setup initiation versus like, you know, uh, again, we're, we're dealing with C plus plus and just this little small patch of code. So we're, we're pulling from it what we can on the fly here, but yeah, that feels like, um, a, a bit here that would be pretty, pretty important. Does it reference anywhere? So we had it here. No, I just put where it pulled it back out. Yeah. Ah, I see. I see. So they just move things around. I see. Yeah. So, so it's doing the rotation there, right? If it right. is no, but that, yeah, but I think the more interesting thing is that one up above, right? That, yeah, I think you know, this right, is the that major, if, that's the major because it's, you know, yeah. If result is null return zero, right? Like, Oh, yeah. it doesn't look like there is an X. And then if it's still null between those two, right. That's that, that's the problem is it's just going to start using that over and over unless it was, you know, not equal to zero. Right. Right. Which is just basically like how this whole thing works is, and, that, and you're, you're saying it, I mean, it's crazy how many times like devastating vulnerabilities come down to like one or two lines of code, yeah. <laughs> often just one line of code. Uh, I, I mean, there was a, a, we saw this recently, right? That there was a, a whole bunch of insecure direct object reference issues mm -hmm. in a code base. Um, and I don't know if I talked about this already. I might've like gone off at some point and I was telling somebody about it. Um, but the, the whole issue was how um, it was Java and how the object that was being passed in, um, they had overloaded a function to do the authorization, right? Based on whether or not the the um, parameter that was passed in was cast to an object by Java or was considered a string, right? And what they didn't realize is it was cast to an object and they built all the, the authorization logic into the fact that the parameter should be coming in as a string. And so even though it looked from a code perspective like, oh, it's coming in as a string, and it, so it's hitting this specific function that's overloaded. So there was two of them. It was calling the wrong function and wasn't actually implementing the uh, uh, the security control to authorize the user to access the data, right? Um, but it was all, seriously just one line of code, basically, oh, guess what? We're going to call this one or we're going to implement that same function in the overloaded in that overloaded function as we did in the other one. And it, and we see this all the time in code, right? Like, I mean, if you've ever been a developer, you know that this is how it functions, that, hey, you know, I forget to implement something or I don't do one, cer one certain check and it just blows security out of the water. So anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I'm, I'm, and uh, I'm the, listening the, and reading. And the other thing is, right, is crypto is hard. Right, and it's not not just like building a crypto algorithm, but key management is hard. Uh, this is GNU TLS, right? This is a a major crypto library that's used all over the internet, and even these guys make mistakes, right? So, like, don't be shy about asking about doing research and about writing unit tests. You know, it's like there's got to be a way that we can that we can prevent this from happening um, if we at least sit down and think about the different edge cases that exist. So. Interesting. And this removes the time. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a weird thing with source code review where and like application vulnerabilities where so much of it comes down to like one. That's why yeah, it's hard to do. That's why when people say like, here's review this large, massive code base and do it in like three days, it's damn near impossible to get anything meaningful from that. Like you are doing, it's, <laughs> you're doing a best effort and that's like being generous. I mean, it takes, it takes time to, to, to find these things. So um, anyways, like uh, before I get off, on the tangent, um, writing it back in. Um, so that's interesting. So this removes the timestamp recording. So the initial key is properly set. So that's pretty interesting. I should, by the way, we always talk about our, um, in our course about looking at the commit messages to glean, to glean clarity and get context before digging into the code. And I think we both like 
Skipped it. Didn't do that. <laughs> Skipped it. So that definitely helps that little bit of a uh, uh, context. So yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, nothing super special. Um, I wonder if people wouldn't enjoy more. I was thinking about this. Maybe at some point we should do sort of like um, in the podcast, spend time just breaking down um, interesting, like taking requests for interesting volumes and the fixes that have been produced and then just sort of breaking down how it all worked. Um, this one was like kind of just like interesting because it's such a simple such a simple fix, but it, but with such a devastating attack, I, I really love those ones where so you can see very clearly that it's not like you could see very clearly how this was introduced, how this was missed, and like well how the fix works. It's very easy to uh, kind of get that context. So very cool. Yeah, I, I mean sometimes it's not quite so simple, right? We both know that from fixing code in the past. Um, sure, but. I like, I feel like the majority of security vulnerabilities, like when we actually get into the fix um, are something like this, right? Like it's, it's a couple of lines of code here and there to really tune things down. Now that, that doesn't go into kind of those authorization vulnerabilities or, you know, authentication flows. Sometimes those are way more complex because of the number of places that something needs to be touched. Uh, but, you know, most of the like, edge cases like this, there's, there's usually one path to resolution. Yep. Um, well, good. Do you want to talk about like the Honda breach or anything like that? And was it a breach? I'm trying to remember. Oh yeah. So it's a Honda breach. Yeah. I was just rereading this code again. I was just looking at it real, real I was just looking at the, uh, I was just curious cause I was just looking at the, uh, yeah. So the, uh, yeah. The, so essentially, like as long as the sorry to go back to it. So as long as the the the, the last result, as long as that's not zero, it basically rekeys, which is what they said in the the initial bit there. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I just really wanted to understand that and take a look at it, and you know, out of context in front of people live, it's, it takes a second to get up to speed, and it's pretty cool. I would I like I like doing that. I, I want to keep doing this. So if people are interested, let us know and like. I can, yeah. you and I can pick out or we can just take suggestions for different stuff. Yeah. I mean, we could even um, step review. through some of the, uh, some of the things that we do in secure code review or in assessments, like how we, uh, yeah, how we find different things and, you know, you know, what we look for in code bases. It could be interesting. So we'll, we'll, we'll take a poll. If you have something that you want us to take a look at, um, an open source code base or a specific vulnerability, please reach out, join us on Slack or on DM us on Twitter or, you know, like we were saying earlier, I think we're out there, right? People can find us if they, if they want to. <laughs> yeah. So here's the, the article. Oh, Neil wrote, I really struggle looking at raw diffs. I depend heavily on syntax highlighting. Yeah. Raw diffs are a little, are a little rough. Um, the, the, for one, I, one, so one thing, like, again, not to like, I'm not trying to necessarily tout GitHub, but one thing that's really nice is like for um, different editors and for like on GitHub.com, there's this like, uh, you can you can point to a function and see where it's defined. Um, I don't know. I actually don't know if that's like available on all code languages. I think it's just a, a subset, but that's usually really nice because you can also like find out what some of these functions actually like are and what they're doing and look at the entire all of what's defined inside of the function versus like this little diff where it's a little, little weird trying to get some context on that. But anyways, um, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, so Git, Git, GitHub is basically just a huge IDE now, right. You know, between, you know, <laughs> live you code editing it. and yeah, it is. Oh, code and speaking QL. of Neil, Neil, I, I did want to mention Neil's going to talk about, he's going to talk about practical security CSP. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait uh, for Midnight yeah. Summer's Con, um, which we'll promote here shortly. Um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, like going back to it, Honda, there's not a lot of details. I actually tried to look up details on this this global attack, but it's pretty far reaching. So it's it actually hurt some of their plants and manufacturing, it seemed like, if I'm reading it correctly. Um, it's weird. Like, that's not great, obviously. Um, 
and it just seems to be quite a massive attack. So people are speculating some people, um, just because I read a couple articles on this, there have been, there was another article I was reading where people were like security experts were, I don't know who they are, were commenting that uh, they thought it might be a ransomware attack, which, you know, I guess maybe. Um, not a great idea uh, against Honda. <laughs> um, trying to think what other pertinent details. There's really not a lot to, to, to really go off of. I mean, I don't know if you knew, know anything more, Seth. No, actually, I was just looking at the like the Honda customer service Twitter, and there's they've still got it pinned up there that financial services and Honda customer service are still experiencing technical difficulties. Um, yeah, I, I mean that's that's about it, right? Wonder if right. Well, they said yeah. that Honda financial services, so I feel like that's probably people getting like loans, I would imagine for vehicles or, or yep, something or servicing or their leases and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Which points to another massive breach. If so, of a yeah. global company, which is man, if there's one theme for 2020, I think we could take away is that we are globally affected by global issues because we are globally connected. Like it is, we are just all one now getting closer and closer to that. And technology plays a big role in that, not just computers, but you know, planes and shipping and cargo and stuff like that. Or viruses, plane, you know. transportation <laughs> and in general. Yeah. Yeah. Viral. Um, well, but, but, but because of all of that interconnected, that's where things we find ourselves vulnerable to, uh, to viruses, or in this case, a virus that's attacking. That's what they said. A virus that's attacking their global network on, which is, we're talking Honda's global financial services. I'm guessing you've got all kinds of different nationalities and uh, countries that, that are a part of that system, those systems. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. I mean, it's interesting that one article from BBC, apparently they interviewed somebody because it, you know, all they have is that it, the firm added that the virus had spread throughout its network, but did not provide further details. Um, yeah, so somebody's having some long nights right now. <laughs> yeah, poor, ha, yeah, pour one out for the the poor team working on that. Yeah, the IT and security team that's been on a twenty four hour uh, conference call trying to figure out what's going on and stem that flow. And you know, in reality, it's not team; it's teams. It's legal. Yeah. It's media. It and marketing. It's uh, council. It's executives. It's IT security. It's HR. It is. I mean, it's going to be. Uh, yeah, it's like these things. The, the crazy thing is how much money and time and energy is spent when these things happen. Um, yeah. It's crazy. Not fun. No, no, it's not. Like when you're involved with it, it's not. Well, but yeah, yeah. so we'll watch that one, see what else comes out of it. I, I, again, I always go back to the Jerry, you know, podcast that we had with Jerry Gamblin. I don't know. It was one of the first ones where it was like, you know, if a breach happens and no one's listened, no one cares, you know, did it really happen? Because <laughs> there are so many of them nowadays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm actually like uh, interested to see how this one, it seems like such a massive, um, you know, attack that, uh, at least just from the initial rumblings that, um, man, this, this should be a good one. Uh, a good, sorry. When I say a good one, I don't mean that anyone's happy that this happened. I'm saying a good one as in from a retrospective, breaking things down, uh, what, what we can, what we can learn from the attack. Um, that's what I meant by positives. Um, a yeah. good thing, you know? Yep. Well, cool. Um, all right. Well, we've been going for about an hour today. Um, I think, you know, uh, there's always more stuff that we can talk about if AL you know, people are interested. Um, I know we are about an hour behind, um, our normal regular scheduled time. Uh, but we will pick back up next week with our hundredth episode. I'm not sure what we're going to do to celebrate. We may just pour one out, right? That's, that's about it. I got to start scheduling people again. This whole thing, man. Yeah. So that's me, my fault that for not scheduling people. I just haven't been reaching out to people. Um, primarily just 
been a weird time and uh yeah sometimes sometimes there's it's less sometimes you know how you get into a funk and you're just not as motivated as previously that was definitely the last couple of weeks uh struggling with that anything that wasn't yeah. work related i.e yeah important like has to be done so anything yeah. that didn't have to be done i kind of just like yeah. Kind of. no anyway, so yeah, I'll start scheduling some people for a hundredth episode. I would love if people really do uh, like want us to break down different volumes and like what we can learn from that, how we would have found that in a review and just talk to that. Um, this one, we didn't even get to like how you would have even discovered that in a review or anything like that. So I would love to do, I love doing that stuff. You do too. So if anybody's interested, just let us know. We'll uh, start breaking volumes down and how you can like, yeah, yeah. Give you tips yeah, on I, how you could have found that. I, I think that uh, that almost goes back to the whole, you know, for a while there, we kind of had an AppSec minute that we would talk through cross-site scripting or whatever else. I think that'd be yeah. good to to revisit and start to do again. Um, and then even pull in the guests when the, when they come on, uh, make them, you know, comment on different things. That's That feels like a good idea to me. Um, so we'll, we'll make it happen next week. Maybe we'll pull out a code base and take a look at a CVE and, see if we can determine in the code how it actually happened and how we would have found it. Um, we'll do some research there, but if anybody's got one that they want us to dig into, please let us know. Uh, otherwise, watch out for registration for Midsummer Night's Con, which is coming up June 24th, and find us online, find us on Slack, Twitter, whatever else. Appreciate everybody listening today. Yep. Yep. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) We'll see you all next week. Bye.